Hello and welcome to Walking with Purpose, where we engage in real in-depth conversations and discussions regarding social issues, interpersonal relationships, marriage, dating, and anything that moves us. We speak our truth. We stand in our truth as we share our real life experiences, our struggles, our triumphs, and the lessons that we've learned. I'm Chris. I'm joined today by Santana, Jeff, and Gary. We have a very special guest today, someone who's very close to my heart, my Uncle Hobart, a man who's been very influential in my life. By standing on his shoulders, I've been able to see further and achieve more than I could have ever imagined. I'm forever indebted to my uncle and my aunt Marianne. They've opened a door for me to walk through, paved a road for me to walk on. I am blessed. I am grateful for all the love and support they have given me. Without them, I am nothing. Long, long time ago, I was at a crossroads in my life. Didn't know where I was going to go. Afraid of the darkness that and the stillness that lied ahead of me. They saved my life. They've been married for over 50 years and have raised two amazing daughters and a grandson. During this podcast, my uncle will discuss some of the challenges he faced during his marriage, as well as some of the tools they use to make their marriage successful. He will also share one of their life's regrets. I definitely want to bring him back for another episode. I want you to hear more of his story. Also during this podcast, we'll talk about men and why they're guarded with their feelings and emotions. We also talk about missing fathers and their effect on the family structure. Further, we're going to discuss married and unmarried women-led households and some of the issues, problems, and challenges that they face. So sit back, relax, take a listen, and don't forget to share your thoughts. Okay, I just wanted to express um, that uh, Chris coming to stay with us actually was a fulfillment for us because one of our biggest regrets was not doing more to support him and his brother and sister when they were younger. So when you came to stay with us in the 80s, it helped me deal with the guilt that I felt for not being there for you in your earlier years of life. I knew firsthand how neglectful your parents were uh, to you and your brother and sisters because I lived with your family in 1964 for a few months. So I knew that there was a lot of dysfunction going on there because 
you, your father, my brother, and I, we fought. And, you know, over things that were simple and nonsensical. And so your coming to stay with us really was a blessing, yeah, you know, for me and um, and getting over some of the guilt that I felt for not being more for not doing more for y'all when you were younger. There's always been a special bond between us. Uh, you know, I, I didn't follow my dad wherever he. I wasn't really tagging along with him. Whenever there was a time for me to tag along with him, either I would jump in the car or he would take me there or, 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 or tell me to come with them. I've always felt closer to him than my own dad. And as, as I've gotten older, you know, coming to live with him, it really started to manifest itself. I mean, I, sometimes with people, I would, I would answer the phone and people would, Hobart? I said, oh, this is Chris. So I probably, somewhere along the line, I probably picked up his, his, his voice and how to sound like him and how to, and, and how to act like him. I mean, I, I watched him. He doesn't know, he doesn't know how closely I watched him. I watched how he walked. I watched how he sat down because he was always clean. Brother was always clean. He always clean. How he 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 pull he would tuck bring his pants up and then sit down. <laughs> he probably doesn't remember me watching that. But he was he, he, he was my my favorite uncle at the time, and I always wanted to be around him. And I remember I told him this one story where my aunties were uh, going over to visit uh, Aunt Marion because <clears throat> she was they were about to get married. And they were just talking so much trash, man. <laughs> they were talking so much trash. And then when they got wind that I was listening, they kind of, they kind of hushed up. They kind of, they kind of, they're kind of quiet. But uh, you've been more uh, of a father figure than, than my own dad. And that's, you know, that's no knock on him. But he just was incapable of that. He put us in some, some bad, some, in some funky situations that uh, he didn't really know how to handle, I don't think. And that, that, that drama with him and my mom was just, just, just crazy, crazy. It was just crazy physical, crazy chaotic. Um, like I said, I, I, did, I, didn't, I just felt unsafe. I think we all felt unsafe, or they didn't realize that we they felt unsafe. But um, I also... I'm grateful for the impact that you've had in other people's lives. I mean, all my friends that came by the house that you've you've embraced, uh, always cordial, always nice to them, uh, just being you. And, and and I'm forever grateful for that, to have an uncle slash daddy <laughs> to, uh, you know, to, to 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 be there and, you know, help me through some tough situations, man. Uh, in in life and in marriage and just some tough situations, man. That uh, I felt, <clears throat> I felt the only person I would call was you. I mean, that's the only person I knew who to call. I think there was a couple of situations. One time, I was going through some stuff with Doreen, man, and I was just feeling so bad. And I think I I, I reached out to him, man, and <laughs> some. I was in this little small apartment, and I had pushed the the against the door, man. I was just, I was just going through it. And I called him over and he came over and pulled the pulled couch away from the door. And we sat down and we chopped it up and I felt so much better. And so I just felt so lucky and so fortunate to have my uncle 
in my life. Um, so go ahead, Jeff. I know you had a question. Yeah, thank you for that, Chris. Um, you know, like you said, uh, being one of your friends from college and you know that your uncle and your aunt, you know, brought me over for the our graduation party. And, you know, I, too, was one that watched you, you know, and how you uh, relationship with Chris and how much uh, care and love that I could tell he had for you. And then just kind of knowing about the situation, not fully, but the fact that um, you took him in. Um, I never really said this, but it had a lot to do with uh, me taking in my daughter as well. That uh, seeing that you did that, it, it also believe it, it, it had an impact on how I looked at taking on my daughter going through a difficult situation and being a child, not having any, um, you know, uh, you know, was not knowing that, you know, she'd be left by two parents. So, you know, that um, was something that I know I took from seeing what you did with Chris. I had a question. Um, it's based on two scriptures that I want to read to you real quick and then and see how you you uh, give us the wisdom. One was Proverbs fourteen twelve. It said there is a way that seems right to a person, but its end is the way to death. And then these the. Uh, the next scripture was Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. It said, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, to prosper you and to not harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And my question was, as you look on these two scriptures um, and you look back on them when it, when in regards to your life. Could you give us some wisdom um, on how these scriptures have played out in your life and how you have tried to pay it forward? Yeah. In reference to the scripture, uh, Proverbs, give me that again, sir. 14.12. 14.12. There's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is death. Actually, earlier on in my life, I did a lot of things that were self-serving, selfish, wrong, and regretful. And I won't go into all of them at this time, but many of the things that you've expressed in your regrets, breakups, traumas, uh, I've experienced as well. And true, there is a way that seems right, you know, to an individual. But if we don't incorporate our thinking with the thinking that we get from having a relationship with the Lord, then we find ourselves going off track. At least I found myself going off track. And um, it's only when I uh, went through pretty much some of the solutions that you all have discussed related to communication, counseling, and God, that I've been able to get back on track in my life. And so, yeah, there is a way that seems right to a man, but if we don't incorporate God in our lives, then we find ourselves, um, you know, going the wrong way. And and then the other, let me, let me reference that again. 
in Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans <clears throat> to give you hope and a future. And that is pretty much what has happened, you know, actually in my life, is that um, as a result of the solutions that you, that you all spoke of, communication, counseling, and God, that helped me to, to build my marriage, basically, because that's where I had actually gone. Uh, that's where I realized how, how wrong my life was, was when I actually got married. And um, I started giving my wife, uh, Marion, uh, hell, basically, uh, and really not knowing, you know, really thinking at the time that I, that she wasn't thinking the way I was, so therefore her thinking, you know, was wrong. And um, after the, the first year of marriage, she decided uh, that it was either that we were going to counseling or we are going to get a divorce. And um, so it's at that point that I decided to to go with the counseling because I was hoping that the counselor would convince her that she needed to do things my way <laughs> instead of me, you know, doing things the way that she wanted to do. So counseling was the first step in that uh, triad of solutions that you all have actually discussed already, uh, communication, counseling, and God. And what counseling did for me was to force me to listen to my wife, communicate about the issues that she was having with me in our marriage. And for the first time, I sat there and listened without thinking about what I was going to say in rebuttal. As a result, I realized the problems that I was causing and the damage uh, to our relationship. Although I was the main culprit, you know, my wife uh, also needed to address some of the issues that I communicated to her. Therefore, as a result of counseling, we were able to obtain the second solution, which was communication. But once you have the counseling and the communication, then you really have to go the next step. You know, you know what the problem is, but what is the solution to that? How are you going to address, you know, those issues? And that's where God came in. And, uh, you know, we prayed and asked God to help us, you know, with the problems that we had in our relationship. And that's really what made, what made the difference. And we've been able to, you know, we, we're not rich, you know, by any means, but we've been able to come from where we were, which is, you know, we were basically living in the ghetto at the, you know, at one point in time. And, you know, the Lord has blessed us, you know, with a home. And um, it's all a result, you know, of forming that relationship, the communication, the counseling, and God that you all have already uh, identified as solutions to our life problems. Julie, 
understand that because my ex Mm -hmm. was on that mission Mm -hmm. of making me think just like him. And when I didn't, it was a problem. And that's Mm -hmm. what, that's when everything started spiraling downward from then on, because there was no therapy, there was no counseling Mm -hmm. going on. Um, And then me, you know, when him and I got together, I hadn't healed or got therapy or anything for the relationship prior to him. So Mm -hmm. I was, you know, what do I do? You know, I'm, I'm coming to him. What can I do? You know, what, what, how can we fix this? And he didn't have the answer either, but well, not verbally anyway, his answer was, you know, I'm going to continue messing around and doing my thing. And that's that. And he didn't even care about what was going on anymore past that, past his own feelings. So it just kept going on until we ended up in the situation that we were um, breaking up and all that horrible restraining order stuff that happened, mm-hmm. you know, burning underwear and all this kind of stuff that goes on. <laughs> I'm just saying it's just, but I just, when you said that, I was like, man, do you, do you guys all think that? Like you just mm-hmm. want your girl to think exactly <laughs> like you? Was that the thing? <laughs> You know, I mean, because I'm not a man, but I'm I'm just like listening to you and I'm like, wow, that came from somewhere, right? Your dad. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? It's a it's kind of a man thing. But but just that's just immaturity. Well, obviously, but yes. But what you said, do we all think like that? Probably at one time. Exactly. Yes. Um, But that's become when you become a boy from a boy to a man, you don't have to agree. You can agree to disagree, but you don't have to agree. But there's a time where both of you are going to disagree, but there still has to be a solution. Yeah, but I also and, think it's ego, too. Yeah, it's, it's, ego. It, it's ego, too, but ego is immaturity. Yeah. Um, but like I said, that's from boyhood to manhood. If you ask them about that now, no. And if you ask me about that, uh, whether we agree or not, I really don't care. On 99.9% of the things, I don't care. All I need to know is if you love me in the end. And once I find that, if I know that's there, everything else is irrelevant. Because after it's all said and done, we're gone. Who cares what you think and what I think? It's whether we're loving each other. At the end of the day, I think I think just to touch on it, I think uh, Hobart, you touched on it right quite well. And if that's if you if you're really listening to the to the scripture, it says there is a way that seems right to a man or a woman. It, it's a way that we think, and that's part of the maturity. But there's also the pride thing, and and that's been since the beginning of time. You know, from Adam to Eve, their pride got in the way. And so now sin entered into the world and now we all been falling ever since then. But we needed a savior, which goes back to what you said at the end. Once you guys got the counseling, you communicated, then God now is allowed to work in your life to be in the position that you are in now. And um, yeah, because our flesh is going to feel what it feels. It's going to do what it's going to do. And um so, you know, I, I'm glad you, you spoke on that because if you really think about it, because it says at the end, but the end in it, but the end is the way to death. Mm-hmm. 
So what does death mean? It could mean, you know, you lose your marriage, you get caught up in alcoholism, or you get caught up in things where you now don't have a relationship with your kids. Uh, you know, it brings about that death, but more importantly, it separates you from God, which is going to be the ultimate death if we choose not to at the end. So, you know, when you think about that and, and, and just reading your story, how when we look at you and your wife now, we see the, the result of having God there. Yeah, they've both been, you know, they've been modeling, man, for uh, modeling in their truth for a very long time. And uh, I've watched it, man, and I've, 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 I've tried to uh, implement some of the things, you know, that I saw into my, you know, into my marriage. Uh, and, and and some of the things that I saw uh, in, into raising my kids too, um, I saw their parenting skills and then you know the the responsibility that they showed to their kids. They didn't walk away from their kids. They didn't abandon their kids. They didn't tell them you know here you, this is it. You got to do it on your own. They didn't put them out there to sink or swim, and uh, they didn't put me out there to sink or swim. I mean, I either I I knew that that I had to get it. I was going to get it. And I think they knew that I was, that I was going to get it, that I was going to do the best I can to, uh, to, to walk down that, that road that I, not only I wanted to walk down that the road that they wanted me to go down to. And uh, tell you, man, the, the most important thing was getting a college education, man. That was just priority on my list. I mean, that was, that was it. It, it took me eight years from the time I graduated from high school to the time I graduated from college, it was eight years, eight years of, of, of stopping and starting and stopping and starting. When they, when they, when they took me in, bro, it was, it was, I was all full speed ahead. There was no stopping, no starting. It was, and that's when I met you at, 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 at junior college. And then boom, then where do we go from there? We went to Cal State. Boom. Next thing you know, we're walking across the stage to get our degrees. It was no, it was the stability he gave me, they gave me, allowed me to just achieve beyond more than I could ever imagine, more than I, more than I could ever dreamed of. And so, you know, they're, they're special people, man, special group of people, man. And uh, I love them to death. And I remember this one time at, even my dad got in the beef. I told him, Joe, I, I got your back, man. I'm riding with you. I'm riding with my uncle, man. I don't care what my dad, dad No. <laughs> if I got to draw a line, then I, I'm siding with him. It's me and him against you. Now what? <laughs> I can fight too. <laughs> and that's just the way it is, man. And you know, that's, that, that's how much love I have for him and my aunt, man. It's, uh, it's, that's how much love I love him to death, bro. We love you too, Chris. And I just wanted to say that, you know, you've been a real help to me and to us, probably as much as we've been to you. And, you know, you were always helpful and did many positive things to make our home a loving and peaceful place to live. You helped us in many ways, caring for your cousin. Yeah. Mowing the lawn. Yeah. $15 a week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he gave me an allowance. Until <laughs> I got a job, and he made me pay rent. <laughs> and getting a job, staying out of trouble. Yeah, that was, that was, 
That was important. And going to church. Yes. I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to blow that the opportunity that I was given, mm-hmm. and I didn't want to disappoint you and Aunt Marin. I didn't want to disappoint you. Uh, I thought we were all on the same page, and 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 that has made the difference. Like I said, made mm-hmm. the difference. Yeah. So your good deeds and positive ad- attitude helped us have a happy home. <laughs> so you know we appreciate you and the positive things that you did in our home. And we're glad that we were able to help you out as well. Yeah. Like I said, it's, I was, I was, I watched him even just watched him. And if there was anything that I could do to help him, if he was fixing on something, I wanted to learn it. I watched him. I watched him do home repairs around the house. I watched how he I helped watch and helped him with everything that I possibly could because I wanted to learn. I wanted to to learn as much as I can from him. And as I've gotten older, you know, I'm, I've become very handy. I'm handy because of him. I've, <laughs> I've done some crazy stuff. One time I tried to change my brain <laughs> in my car because I watched him do it. <laughs> that didn't go too well. <laughs> I was, I was hitting those brakes. I had to pump them a few times. I said, "Oh God, I don't think I did a good job." But I, I you know, the being handy around the house. I mean, that's that. Uh, man, that's that saved me a lot of money. Being handy and watching him do those things, and watching you being handy, and and not the the biggest thing is not have not being fearful of trying. Not being fearful of trying. No, you, you, okay, if I make a mistake, then I got to call a professional. I can do that. But, I mean, the little things that that, that break around the house, 90 90 times out of 100, I can fix it. I can fix it. And that's because I've watched my uncle. I've I've learned from my uncle. And I've tried my best to emulate my uncle, too. So that's been good. I have to apologize for being such a cheapskate. <laughs> yeah, some of that mechanical stuff I, I, I had to back away from. I just, I just take it down to the man. Let him, let him, let him do it, man. But, but, but that's, it's all about that fatherhood that, that I wanted to really kind of touch on today is, is, is fatherhood and the modeling. I mean, if he doesn't model for me, I don't know where I, I, I'm not going to. I don't know half the stuff that I know or three quarters of the stuff I know. I don't if he doesn't model for me and let me help some men. They don't they don't want you to oh, get away from here, boy. I got it. You just messing up stuff. But he let me help. He let me watch uh, hand him tools that he may needed mowing the lawn, watching him mow the lawn, watching him edge it. Uh, yeah, I'm on the lawn. <laughs> I edged the lawn. I could do that. I could do that now, but just watching him and him modeling for me, man, modeling how he treated his wife, how he treated his kids, how he treated strangers, strangers on the street. And you guys don't know, man. Just, just modeling. And that is, I've incorporated, when you see me, you see him. And I always say this, don't, don't blame, if, 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 if something went wrong in my life, I'll, 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 own to, I'll own up to my mistakes. I'll own up to all the bad in my life. But all the good is because of him, because of my uncle. All the good is because of my uncle. 
all the bad, I'll take I'll take full responsibility for that. But all the you know all the good stuff that happens to me, that that the goodness that you see me, the kindness is because I've watched him. I've I've watched him model that stuff for me. And so that was that second part of the question I said uh, was. And, and how do you pay it forward? So we see that in Chris's life, how you paid it forward. And now there's a result that you see that's continuing, you know, not only in your own kids, but in the life of Chris. And then also that, you know, we was around him. So we're feeling the same thing. We're getting the same, um, the same things that you gave to him. We're seeing it as well. You know, we might not have spent as much time, but my time around you, I, witnessed it and saw it and then just seeing him that allowed us to you know to push it forward too um and then it's been a part of what we're doing here i really appreciate the compliments i'm not sure if i'm deserving of, of everything um that chris has um accomplished um i think a lot of what he's done and what you know all of you all have done have really been based upon your own desire to achieve and to do better you know in your life you know maybe you had some examples you know of what that life would look like but you had to have the desire within yourself to pursue it and so i really compliment you for um for pursuing a better way of life for yourselves. And again, you know, I, I those three things that you guys brought up, you know, in your uh, regrets podcast, you know, the solution is communication, counseling, and God. And um, if you find that there's some problems within your life, those are the three things that, you know, I've that have made a difference in my life, and I'm pretty sure will make a difference in yours as well. Okay, Uncle, tell us a little bit about your childhood growing up. Okay, um, I lived in a two parent home. You know, my father and my mother were there, and um, I had a brother and two sisters, and um, you know. For the most part, I wanted to say that um, the best part of our lives that I can remember uh, growing up, you know, my dad was a real strict disciplinarian and my mother too. As a matter of fact, my dad, when he whipped us, he stopped when he got tired and, you know, with a belt. And, um, and my mother, she wasn't there you know, to help. She almost, you know, when my daddy was whipping us and I was crying out to her, Mama, he's killing me. She wouldn't do anything. She said, you know, it's almost as if she said, yeah, go ahead and kill him. <laughs> it's kind of the impression that I got. But, you know, I grew up with a, with a dad that was really strict, although I think in their own way, I believe that they loved us and that they were thinking that they were doing the best for us, you know, with this strict disciplinary thing. And um, 
And as it ended up being, um, you know, my brother, he was the oldest. And I think that he got the worst of the discipline. And as a matter of fact, I'd actually look at what was going on with him and the things that he was doing wrong and getting punished for. And I'd say to myself, well, I take note. I say, well, I'm going to avoid that doing that. Right. And I'm going to avoid doing that. Or else I'm going to, I'm going to sneak around a little bit better than he did so that, you know, I won't end up getting the same punishment. And so that's kind of basically, um, you know, what my childhood was like. And um, the one thing that I feel made the difference between, you know, my brother ended up, I can remember this vividly, when he was 18 years old, he had come in late or something like that, you know, from, uh, you know, wherever he had been that evening. And my dad told him that he, he should have been there at a certain time, and he wasn't. And my dad's like about five, six, my dad and your, your brother, Ben, he was like about six feet at least. And I can remember to this day, my dad taking a, a leather belt and whipping your dad. And, um, and he just took, you know, stood there and took it. And, you know, he could have retaliated, but, you know, he didn't. But what he did do is he ran away. And um, so he went up to stay with my Aunt Utopia up in Redwood City. And, you know, that's pretty much where he met yeah, my mom. mom. Right. Mm -hmm. And they started, you know, their lives together. But, you know, the sad thing I think about my brother and something that I, that I mentioned to him, uh, you know, before he before he passed, you know, I went up to visit to visit him, and you know he had a tough life, and not only, you know, did he have, you know, that strict disciplinary um, experience, you know, as a child and as an adolescent, <laughs> and pretty much as an adult. Um, but as a result of that, he in, ended up going into uh, substance abuse, right. and drugs, alcohol, uh -huh. and all. And um, when I talked to him, I said, you know, Ben, the only real difference between you and I, because, you know, we, we both grew up in the same, under the same, um, you know, strict disciplinary home life. Uh, and I told him that the only real difference between you and me is that I came to the Lord a lot sooner than you did. Uh. And, um, and so all of those, um, all that trauma, you know, that we had suffered at home, um, you know, I started on the path to healing a lot sooner than he did. And so, 
um, you know, that's just basically the um, the difference between himself and me. And I just kind of wanted to to put that out because, um, you know, I I do realize that the things that my brother did is to himself and to his family were very hurtful. But, you know, I think that the main reason why he was the way he was is that he just never developed that relationship with God so that God could help him overcome some of the trauma that he suffered, you know, in our home. And um, and that's just pretty much, uh, I think, all that I actually have to say. My sisters, you know, they didn't get <laughs> any beatings. I mean, they were prima, don prima donnas, basically. <laughs> And um, I mean, you know, they still had restrictions, but they didn't have, uh, you know, they didn't get the beatings. You know, we were the ones that got the beatings. <laughs> so they, you know, they, they've grown up to be pretty productive um, as opposed you know, to you know, your dad and myself. We had to struggle. Yeah, it seems like he was harder, like grandpa was harder on the boys than he was on the girls. It just seemed that way, like he would bend over for them. But like, like you, like especially with my dad, he had to, he had to, he had to get out there and go get it. Mm-hmm. He had to get out there and go get it. Um, my experience with my grandpa was they were all pleasant. <laughs> like I tell everybody, I had a, had a my grandpa was always there. He wouldn't give us no money. <laughs> grandpa wouldn't give you no money, but but Grandpa would give you, you know, he give you some fruit, he'd give you some nuts, he give you something to eat to make sure he get you something to eat. But he ain't coming in his pocket, give us give us no money. I remember in foster care the times he came to visit, he always had some raisins or something. He was he was he was on his way to see uh, Anutopia. He stopped by, give us some raisins, but he would never dig deep in that pocket and give us no money. But. uh so my, so it needless in my experience, my grandfather was not as you know not as traumatic as as, as it was with for my uh, my dad and my uncle. Uh, grandma was a little different. I remember growing up, grandma used to do all the discipline. She would always spank us. I remember one time me and my brother were, took some crayons and colored the color TV, and ended up getting pretty beat real bad with my grandma. But. Uh, yeah, I've, you know, like I've I've seen some. So I see my grandma do some. My grandpa do some crazy things. I remember one time I saw that that time he pulled a gun on somebody. I don't know if it was you or my dad. He pulled a gun on me. Yeah, I saw him pull a gun. I didn't and, know you were there. Yeah, I was there. I watched that. I mean, he pulled a gun and had a little thirty-eight. He pulled a, pulled a gun on on somebody and they broke wind, man. They got out of that house quick. <laughs> I was like. But that was the only craziness that I that I that I can remember seeing him. Other than that, he had a he was he was gentle with us. I remember him dropping us off at school, uh, Bonview Elementary, picking us up uh, at, at Bonview Elementary too. So my experiences were 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 good. But then, like I said, the experiences of my dad were a little bit different. You know, I remember that one time um, he ran down the street, butt naked, on a on an LSD trip. And these kids were coming. I was walking, coming home. Man, your daddy was walking down the street naked, running down the street naked. Did you, did you know that? 
And I'm like, no, nah, I didn't know that. So I asked my mom. I said, Mom, what happened? You know, is it true what they said? Dad was running down the street uh, on, a, on a bad LSD trip. You know, she says, yeah, that's what happened. And then when I asked him years later, he goes, yeah, that's what happened. Whatever he remembered, he goes, yeah, that, that's what, that is what happened. So it was just uh, growing up was it was crazy. Like I tell everybody, I grew up really pretty fast. So I was pretty, I was put in, in in positions of of responsibility that that most kids shouldn't shouldn't have to be. So it's pretty 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 interesting childhood, man. Thinking about it. Okay, we have a few questions for our panel here uh, that we wanted to talk about. Why are men, especially black men, so guarded about their feelings and emotions? And why can't we have real conversations with each other? You guys can chime in. Um, I'm not a man, but um, asking some of my male friends out there how they feel about talking about their feelings and things like that with each other, um, it's a sign of weakness is what I was told, to be mm -hmm. sitting there talking about your feelings and things like that. And then, you know, you get... Um, told, you know, shut the hell up, You're, you know, stop being a punk or whatever, you know what I mean? To So, so sharing them is, I think it kind of depends on, on, uh, on the person. So I've been told, listen, I've, I've had maybe an acquaintance, not a really close friend. And I, and I felt more comfortable sharing my feelings with this person who didn't really know me like somebody else would and get a more, you know, that that vibe from that person and not judgmental and could really share their feelings with that person. Um, and sometimes they actually were not of the same race. Mm. You know, I, I know somebody else that said that um, those times that he was speaking to people, they probably were white or something else. They weren't anybody black. Um, and he felt a little bit more comfortable sharing whatever it was he was talking about. So I thought that was kind of interesting, you know, but, but I think that the majority of the time it was more of um, being a sign of weakness. And then, and in person and in, in interpersonal relationships, like with the spouse or significant other, uh, I think we are guarded uh, and, with our feelings and emotions. Like you said, it seems like a, a sign of weakness if we cry you know, or, or we say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hurting uh, to, to express those feelings and emotions. We're, look, we're looked upon as, as weak or as a punk. Well, then I think I also think, though, depending on who that significant other is, you might actually feel a little bit easier talking to a female mm. because we are more emotional and we have that empathy. Most of us, not all of us, but most of us have that naturally in us to be there to comfort you. And especially if we have feelings for you, right. you know, if we're in love with you and we care about you, we will be that sounding board that you can talk to about things. You know, I mean, that's been my experience anyway, you know? So when I hear um, men say that it's a sign of weakness, and then I think about, well, you know, this person's probably shared personal things with me. And it hasn't been that type of thing. You've been comfortable saying whatever it is that you had to say to me, but it's maybe just the audience, right? So I'm I'm uh, more sympathetic or empathetic to whatever it is that you're sharing with me and you feel comfortable, you know? So 
I don't know. I don't know if it's it may be a cultural thing too. Hispanic men, right. same type of thing. The machismo is there, right? You know, and um, and I think maybe sometimes it is easier to speak to a female than it is to your male counterparts, depending on what it is. What do you think, Jeff? Yeah, it's um, part of it. I think is cultural as well, um, and I think <clears throat> just speaking from being African American male. When I look back in history and I think about how, if you think about the the start of a of a black male in America, uh, what was our start? Our start pretty much was in slavery. When we were in slavery and things didn't go the way the master said they weren't going, what did the people in that community see? They saw him either being whipped. Uh, they saw him, and then what were the other males seeing? Mm. Okay. What did the, even the females see? Okay. So when uh, you pose the question about, you know, the female being able to, uh, you know, raise a child by themselves, a lot of mothers took to that same thing that a male would take to, because they felt that was the only thing they could do to control their child. And that's the way we saw it. If you look through history, we saw it as control. So if that's what, we see fatherhood as opposed to when I, I see things done over in Africa, how they did it compared to what I seen done in America. We had that flow all the way up until now. Mm. It's still that way with some men that have not understood um, that you can talk to your child, but more importantly, be there for your child. Uh, and then it goes back to then feeling that, um, that shame, you know, and feeling like I can't do it, you know, cause you don't want them, you know, it's almost like we've used the machismo, as you said, our physical gifts. If you think about it, our physical gifts, where that, where's that at sports, the other physical gifts is in our singing, whether it be rapping, whether it be, those are things that make us feel like we're okay, but we still haven't dealt with the real issue. Right. And that is, is that there's more to it than the physical part. Right. You know, and we still haven't done. I, I remember us in college and I remember our last year when Dr. Harry Edwards came to speak and he talked about what was going on at the time that there was a lot of young athletes in college that were getting in trouble where they were saying there was a lot of rape going on. And he was talking about how a lot of coaches bring in these athletes, but they don't know what it is, what culture they come from. Right. Where in the, in the um, African-American community, we've grown up with that mindset of conquering the black woman. I remember how he, he spoke on that. And where do we get that from? We got that from slavery. Why? Because they were sending different males to different plantations to have kids with the, the, the women so that they could produce the male baby to work the plantation. Right. And so the biggest, buck. the biggest buck. And so if you fast forward that to now, we look at sports as a physical thing. And he said, the problem is coaches are bringing these athletes in from these different tough neighborhoods, but they're only looking at the athlete and they're not looking at the person. So just like some of these young African-American athletes going in, didn't have fathers. They didn't get the fathering from that white coach. Right. So they continued that behavior. So if you think about that, that continuous behavior, that young man is going to become a father one day. And then he's either going to father his kids, be a husband to his wife, 
or he's going to do the direct opposite of what he saw growing up. And so, uh, unfortunately, we see it still manifested today. I hear it in the students that I teach. I see it in the students I teach that, like Santana said, majority of the young black males I see at school are always talking to females. They feel comfortable talking to females because who was the one that was raising them? The female in the house. So the, so the men won't, because of that, I guess they, we don't, maybe we don't trust other men. Yes. What do you think about that, Gary? Uh, most young men, um, I would agree, um, don't trust other men. What about because men, us men not trusting each other, grown men? That that's very much so. But I'm gonna answer the question: the revealing and the intimacy between two grown men. What I mean by just expressing how they really feel, the way they really act. Um, that comes with friendship. You may only have a male may only have one or two of those in his whole life that he feels comfortable with that. And that is because men, when you're raised to be an alpha male and you're around alpha males, you're raised to deal with your problems, but not dwell on your problems. You're raised to bring in shelter and help for everybody and not complain about it. You're taught not to cry about a little extra work, but embrace it, but welcome it. And do what it takes to make it work. Yes, you're 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 allowed to be afraid. You're allowed to be scared. You're allowed to uh, even cry. But after you finish, you got about an hour. Get back <laughs> on that road. All right. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. And in that, you're not going to share a lot of intimacy. Now, when you get a best friend, like if Jeff calls me and he says, "Hey." You know what? How's it going? I'm not doing too well today. <laughs> but if somebody at work asks me, how you doing? I'm good. What about you? That's because me and Jeff been together for 40 years. And I know Jeff's not going to judge me. Right. Jeff's not going to take advantage of my vulnerability. Right. He's not going to use my vulnerability against me. Yep. And as a male... You're subject to that, especially a black male from day one. They see weakness. There's a whole lot of judgment going around from the day you're born. You're going to be picked on not only by your own, even more by your own. Right. Then you have to deal with the white kids. Then you have to deal with your teachers. Yeah. Your teachers will pick on you. Then you got to deal with after you get your employers. So how are you not going to be guarded? Right. You have to defend yourself. So you have to have a real conversation with somebody. <laughs> yes. And that and is your friend. Yeah. Yeah. And you have very few of those. And my right. dad and my mom told me, Gary, you may only get one or two friends right. in your whole life. Right. And I, I thought she's crazy. I got gangs of friends. 
And then as I grow up, man, I don't have a dime. I don't have, where are my friends? Right. Who can I talk to? Right. Man, I done called this fool 10 times. He ain't picked up. <laughs> I done called him three times just this morning. He ain't picked up. And even your females are going to be guarded against a lot of them. Because if they see weakness, they're going to take advantage. But then that's the difference between females and your wife. Right. Or when a wife is a person that's a wife before you even get married. Women that are wives, just because they're not married, they're still wives. They know how to listen. They know how to give. They know how to be strong when they need to be strong. They know how to be weak when they need to be weak. The ones that don't know how to do that, they're the ones that have the problems. Well, there's somebody, there's a bunch of alpha females out there too now. So I No, it's nothing wrong with an alpha female, but an alpha female needs an alpha male. Because right. if an alpha female goes with a a, a a male that's not an alpha, she has issues. I'm not an alpha female. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. That's, I've never been that way. Am I independent? Most definitely, but but I'm, that may come across as a man from a man's standpoint as you being an alpha female because you're so independent, right? And so I, as the independent woman, need to um, know how to sub- subdue a little bit. You know what I mean? That submit. That, that be, yeah, that's really that sounds bad. See? I've heard somebody else, some famous person, talk about being submissive, and that went all left. Yeah. Um, so I got to be careful with that word. Um, but I'm just not afraid to let a man be a man. I'm not here to emasculate anybody, you know, and let you be you and do your thing and let me do me. You know, there's, there's compromise in there. There's a balance that needs to happen in a partnership. But in a real, a real alpha male, you won't even have to explain that. Because he'll come and let you know what's going on in the beginning. And you'll step back because that's just the way it is. And he'll step forward and he'll know when to step back. Because an alpha male is not going to have no fear of an alpha female. Because you have no threat to him. Right. Uncle, what do you think? I wish I could uh, pontificate like you guys <laughs> on that subject. But, um, you know, the only thing that I can really uh, relate to is in, you know, my own relationship, you know, with, uh, with my wife. And I think it, you know, my dad was pretty much an alpha male. Yeah. And, um, you know, he ruled the house, you know, with an iron fist, basically. And, um, and so I think that I took on some of those same characteristics, Mm. you know, in my marriage life. You know, at least that's the way it began, and um, and I think that I had to find that, you know, unlike my mother, my wife was not willing to be dominated, basically, <laughs> you know, by me, and that um, and and that's the reason why she got some counseling. I mean, the counseling helped me to realize that she's a person also. And that she has feelings, and that I need to respect those, and um, and so I'm hoping that um, you know, with um, 
with me, this generational curse kind of thing, you know, ended. Sounds like, you know, you, I hope I set the right example for you in, in your relationship, Chris. I'm the alpha. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I am the alpha for sure. I'm the leader. Sometimes I don't want to lead, but sometimes it's just me naturally being 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 a leader. I've always thought that you were an alpha uncle, so I don't know. I always thought you were alpha. <laughs> I started out an alpha. Really? I ended up a beta. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to talk about uh, either unmarried or married women leading the household. I want to talk about that. That's probably the, the, the last topic that I want to talk about today before we end is, is women-led household. It, for everybody, is there problems with it, issues with it? Why is it? Jeff touched up upon it a little bit. Uh, the absence of the, the, the man, the male in the, in the house, putting all, it seems like he's putting all the, if he's not there, then he's putting all the pressure on the woman to raise those kids. And those kids probably not getting the, I guess the the nurturing or, or or the modeling that they need from a male standpoint. But that's that's it just it it's all the responsibilities placed on the woman. And I know you would know more about that, Jeff. You know, with your mom being a strong a strong black woman or a strong woman in, in general. I think um, uh, you know as you you talk about maturing and growing up, what my mom did was. Um, you know, being a woman that, you know, that loved the Lord and always uh, tried to raise me and my brother as best she could around a lot of, man, a lot of very unhealthy situations. Um, um, you know, she always, she did discipline us. I probably got it the brunt of it more than my brother did. And unfortunately, it worked in reverse because I think where it was beneficial to me, even though I didn't think it when I was receiving it, <laughs> was totally different from my brother who didn't receive it. And when I kind of look at our lives, not that I'm better than him, but he's had to kind of take a tougher road. Um, and, you know, and it was the time, probably the time he's 10 years younger. So that, that can be yeah, a big time different. difference in there. But yeah, she, um, she, man, she ruined with kind of an iron fist being a woman from the South. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, she grew up a certain way, saw certain things a different way. Um, the one thing I loved about her is she taught me how to be respectful to people. Um, how to, you know, yes, ma'am, no, sir, all those different things that I still do today, whether you could be three years older than me or not, I, I still use it. And it's worked well for me, so I'm good with it. Man, it was tough. I just think about um, when my brother, my brother's dad, so he gave her a bunch of things like he was going to marry her and then it didn't happen. So this is the second one of my mom's life. And and the thing I think I've mentioned to you and Gary before, one of the things I appreciate about her, there got to be a time when I think right after me and you graduated that she set us down and she said this, she said, sons, I will no longer bring a man around the house unless I know he's right with God and he's going to do the right thing. Mm. Other than that, not doing it. And to this day, until she passed away a year ago, that's the way I'd seen it. Now, unless it was something different behind my back, I didn't know. I never saw it. But if it was, it's going to reveal itself because it has a way of doing it. She said no. And those are the things I, I really appreciated about her is that 
she she said she was going to do it and she did it. Where we see that different played out in people that we know, um, you know, we see it kind of crazy. I had another aunt where it was crazy and, you know, I just buried, you know, my last cousin and my wife, my mom's sister. She was out of control like that. So those were the results of it. And it's very difficult to see that now when you're older and you've been blessed with what you have and you see if they would only have that. Right. You know, that strong of a mother. I think it plays out well. Even as a school teacher, I see the students that have their mothers that are up on top of the game, even though the dad isn't there, that they're they're there. I've seen kids do better with that single mother than with with kids that had the mother and father there. Yeah. I've seen it because usually the father is out of control. The mother's just holding on. Yeah. She's not trying to, you know, ruffle no feathers. But both of them being that way is not good for the kid. And so I'm seeing it still manifest itself today. The issue is 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 happening so fast because of the technology and everything we have and what kids are accessible to that if there's not a parent slowing that down, it goes even more out of control. Right. And so I think it can, you know, I believe it can work. I'm part of it. Right. You're, yeah. But there's so much missing without that father figure there. Uncle, what do you think? I'm really am impressed uh, with the things that, you know, Jeff has, has said, you know, um, about his mother. I, I actually think that in some cases, you know, uh, a strong, moral, thinking mother you know, it's better than two parents, you know, that are not strong or morally oriented, you know, in their lives and bringing up their kids. You know, their kids are going to, you know, to go the, possibly go the same way that they are. But um, but I really admire, you know, what you said, you know, about your about your mother. I kind of wish I had a you know, even though I had a two-parent home, I wish I had a, just a strong mother, you know, who, um, you know, who would look after us and think of, you know, what's in our best interest as opposed to, uh, you know, just kind of going along with whatever uh, my dad wanted to do, especially in the discipline yeah. area. Yeah. What do you think? Can a, can, a, can a woman raise a household? Can a single woman raise a household? First of all, um, you have to do what you have to do to survive. You have to do what you have to do to survive. Um, Have I seen it done? Yes. Have I seen it done well? Yes. Do I think it's in the best, it comes in the best result? No. Mm. Um, Basically, you have a single family household, even a single male, you have a you have a woman that's raising kids, female and male. They grow up not knowing how to relate to a man. You have women that are daughters that don't know how to take care of a man, relate to a man, or understand a man. Then you have a male that's growing up basically a female because he doesn't know how to be a male because he's never seen a male. He takes on a lot of female tendencies, female emotions, Female ways of dress, which we see a lot now, tight suits, tight pants. Um, 
therefore you have a lot of problems manifesting in the future. And that's why I think we have a lot of, one of the reasons, not the only reason that we have a lot of trouble with black marriages is we got basically a male that's been raised by a female, a woman that's been raised by a female, then both of them getting married. You got two women getting married. And therefore, you that's not natural. It's not natural. You got a male that doesn't know how to lead a household, and you got a female that doesn't know how to do a role. You have issues. Um, do I think a good, strong female is better than a weak male and a strong female? Yes, mm. most definitely. You have to do what you have to do to survive. But we have to get back to being basics and us men taking care of our business. And that is basically raising our kids. Right. Getting back to the moralistic, not just talking to females, just to get the panties. Like somebody. Care about somebody. It's not weakness. It's strength. Commitment is strength. And therefore, you'll build a stronger home. Are you going to make mistakes? Yes. Can a single family home headed by a female work? Yes. But there's going to be some issues in the future. No matter how good it is and how moral it is, it's going to be some problems in the future. Just like it is if it's just a male ran household. God made a balance for a reason. Santana, what do you think? Your thoughts? I know you're chopping at the bit, so go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Knock it out. No, I mean, I agree with some of the things that Gary said. It's it's hard. Um, You know, I have a son and two daughters, so... Um, I had to be mom and dad. Um, I had to use threats (laughs) of violence, even though I never laid a hand on my kids. They were scared. But it's what I felt like I had to do to keep um, them in check, keep them out of jail, keep them off the streets, off drugs, whatever, whatever the case may be. I was really um, more worried about that kind of stuff than if my son was going to be too female for another, you know, when he has girlfriends and things of that nature. Um, You know, um, I had a friend back when my son was younger and he was just like, how are you going to raise him, you know, to be a man and all And I'm, I said, look, I'm, I'm doing the best I can with what I got. Okay. I don't have the answers. Right now, I'm just trying to keep his ass out of jail and out of the streets and such. And I even changed my job position on purpose so that I could be at home on weekends and at night and things like that because I was working graves and swings and all this kind of stuff. And that just left it open for them to be out screwing around. And, you know, I was not about to have that. So I purposely took a demotion um, so that I could be at home more with the kids so I could crack that whip. And you know what? My, my kids are, uh, are good people. And that's a huge accomplishment for me as a mother. Okay. So um, them as in their relationships, you know what? Everybody has problems in their relationships. You know, before we all got to the place we're at now, you didn't know a damn thing. And you just figured it out as you went whether you had your mom and your dad or you didn't, you know, it, it affected me not having my father around. I was raised by my mother and, um, she was a single parent for a short period of time too. 
two and three jobs working. And, you know, I was at home going to school and, and cooking meals because that's what she taught me. Um, but yeah, of course, things are going to affect you. Whether you have two parents or just one parent, there's going to be something. Nobody's going to be perfect. I just, to this day, even though all my kids are grown, I try to um, make sure that um, they can come to me with whatever the issue is. I offer what information I have to kind of, you know, help the situation as much as I can. Ultimately, they're going to make the choices that they're going to make, the decision-making and and such, and I can just hope that um, everything that I've said to them growing up, they've held on to and think about. And that's the best I can do. So, you know what? They're, they're, uh, they're not in jail or doing drugs on the street. They're good people. Point blank, period. Drop the mic. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody else will have anything else there? I'll end with this because I know you're going to end, but I, I think it goes back to what Uncle Hobart said when he said conversation. And he ended, though, with God. Because at the end of the day, if you, if you think back, he only gave really two commands after Christ died on the cross. And that was to love me with all your heart, mind and soul. And second, to love your neighbor as yourself. So for all those that are out there that have a single, you know, for in my case, I got kids with single parents. The father is the only one. The mother is the only one. So loving your neighbor means I need to take on those kids that have uh, an absentee somewhere. So, you know, I, I get me at times where kids are calling me Daddy Stovall or, you know, uh, Coach, you remind, you know, can you be my dad for the next four years? And I say, you know what? I will. That means that I'm going to come at you. There are going to be some things you ain't going to like. But just know at the end of the day, I love you just like if you was my own kid. So I think that's what, you know, part of what he says, pay it forward by loving your neighbor. It doesn't mean what color they are. It don't mean what size they are. Um, who's left in the house and who's not left in the house. I'm just going to take that opportunity to love on a kid that, that might be fatherless or motherless. Well, before we all go, we had an email from my cousin, my cousin, Erica. Uh, She left an email. She said, I enjoyed listening to this podcast. I've listened to all the episodes and appreciate how open and forthcoming everyone is about what they learned. Her question, and this is a question to everybody, if your life was a TV show or a movie, what would be your theme song? Okay, my theme song would be Trouble Man by Marvin Gaye. That's my, that would be my theme song. Santiana? Mine is Superwoman by Alicia Keys. Ooh, nice. Nice. I got a good one. You Know My Name by Tasha Cobbs. Mine is uh, my wife's ringtone. It would be True by Lloyd. Okay. The only thing that I can really think of is uh, what's love got to do with it? And I think in life, love has everything to do with it. All right. So... Hopefully Erica listens to this and and we've answered her question. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We really appreciate your thoughts and your feedback. For any comments or questions, you can reach us at walkingwithpurposepodcast 
at gmail.com. Before we leave you today, here are some words of wisdom. Negativity is contagious. Unhappiness is contagious. Fear is contagious. But so is happiness. So is optimism. So is love. Surround yourself with people who bring out the best in you and strive to be a reflection of what you want to receive. Thank <laughs> you.